if you put in Super Squishers 2014, you get uh, free shipping as well. Someone brought cupcakes in today in honor of Guy Fawkes Day. Yes. (laughs) There were, I don't know why he put so much effort into this. Okay. But there were there were cupcakes with um the guy fox mask on them. Oh my gosh. There were wow. cupcakes with the anarchy symbol on them. Oh my gosh. That and there seems... were cupcakes with little gunpowder barrels in them. I was about to make a joke <laughs> about gunpowder cupcakes, but apparently you... Oh my gosh. Wow. They were amazing. Like, I <laughs> Wow, that's pretty Did cool. Did they have gunpowder? <laughs> I, I didn't try one of those. Uh, wow, that's that's impressive. Mm-hmm. I I have heard of people doing this for like, um, well, for Guy Fawkes Day, but I, I did not realize that uh, people were actually like, like really doing that, going mm-hmm. all out. That's amazing. Uh, I I'm gonna claim the. <clears throat> I'm gonna lead us off tonight, as far as, uh, um. Or the, I'm going to be the host, I guess, on the game itself because I am super excited about the one that I got. Yeah, it's your turn. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Now, Sweet. It is. Yeah. All right. Super excited uh, about this one. Um, let me see. Hang on a second. I'll be right back. Okay. While you're, while you're gone, uh, we can actually – I realized that last time I didn't talk about uh, like the rules very much or like what we actually do. Um, but I mean I guess I talked about what we did. But anyway, we're going to play the Wikipedia game where we uh, try to get to a specific page uh, from another page. And we can only use the links within the, uh, the article. Last time we didn't really go into like what that means. So basically, it's only the links and the actual content of the article. Um, the sidebar stuff doesn't count. The only thing you can use there, captions under the photos. And then like the C also at the bottom doesn't count either because that's just too easy. And occasionally we'll we'll play a little game too, based on what we find. And sometimes on things that we don't find. So, because mm-hmm. we will eventually someday accidentally make something up. True. And it's also the spirit of Wikipedia. Also spirit true. Of Wikipedia. Oh yeah. And other disclaimer is we know that this is Wikipedia, and we know not all of it's true. Most of it. That most of it's not true, and it's very poorly cited. But that's just part of it. So, if you want to tell us we got something wrong, you can. I mean. Please tell us we maybe, got it wrong. <laughs> maybe we'll address it on the next one. But the or, name of the show should warn you enough that yeah. uh, this isn't meant to be like a trivia show. We so. really, we really should know better. All right. So you're hosting tonight, tonight, Kyle. I'm super excited about this, guys. Okay. I'm really, really happy. This is. I'm going to start us off with one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite bits of trivia from World War II. You guys <laughs> may have. Yeah, that that that's how much of a nerd I am. I have a favorite bit of trivia from World War II, which means I have multiple bits of trivia from World War II that uh-huh. I enjoy. So, uh, but before we get there, rather than um, rather than starting in the actual article, uh, I'm going to do a challenge question to do that from a book that I found at a thrift shop today. Books? So, yeah, from we don't even, use books here. Uh, well, well, this is probably about as uh, useful as Wikipedia. 
This is the family game book, which was copy or according to the Library of Congress notes, um, came out in 1967 <laughs> and is part of a series of uh, books about having fun with your kids and teaching them things through games that are not nearly as fun as they sound. So you stole this from a thrift shop is what you're telling me. I did not steal it. You didn't pay money for this. Oh, I totally paid money. As soon as I saw this, I thought, yes, I'm buying this. Right. Oh, man. How many uh, baby boomer kids were tortured by this book? Oh, man. It's so great. Uh, Let me just give you just a quick rundown. Uh, Not to mention the how to use this book uh, preface, (laughs) uh, which I think should be (laughs) self-explanatory, but they feel the need to tell you. Um, They have chapters four, uh, preschoolers in play, games for kindergartners and first graders, and then a whole separate chapter for games for boys and father. Oh, okay. Uh, Then games for boys and girls, uh, educational games for boys and girls from 6 to 10, outdoor games and activities, teenage games and parties, parties and games for older teens, and games for two, two teenagers and adults. Two teenagers and adults. Yes. They, they don't have one for like daughters and um, and mother? Absolutely not. In fact, the uh, how to use this book describes that omission because they just don't have that. They, they, they it, say that the rest of these games, uh-huh. specifically everything else, say, I don't know, educational games for boys and girls from 6 to 10. That's fitting for girls. Basically, the pronouns can be swapped in any of the chapters. Oh, except for the one that's boys and dads because they're special. So this is wow. a terrible book already. Yeah, that does sound awful. Okay. <laughs> it's pre- oh, it's pretty awful. Uh, the I'll, I'll come back to the games for boys and fathers later, uh, maybe in another podcast because this is this. I'm definitely going to be referencing this book multiple times. Sweet. Um, <clears throat> but the thing that we're going to do tonight is going to test your abilities to come up with the educational game for boys and boys and girls 6 to 10 that you think follows what the name of the game is. I'm I'm going to tell you what the game is called. You tell me what the game is. The one who's oh, closest geez. the person who's closest uh, gets to go first. Okay. So, all right. The name of the game is The Doctor's Cat. <laughs> Who wants to take a shot? Cat. The doctor's cat. Remember that this is educational games for boys and girls age 6 to 10. Uh, thought appropriate for kids in 1967. Or thought appropriate for ages 6 to 10 in 1967. Okay, okay, I got it. Yes. The, uh, the parent is the doctor. And he tells the child that uh, he was operating on, on a patient... And the cat came in and ran off with an organ. <laughs> so the parent, the doctor, has to describe the organ. Oh wow! And and the <laughs> um and the child has to go around the house, perhaps in the refrigerator, and find something that most closely resembles that, that organ and bring it back to the parent. Tim, I love your enthusiasm on this. I I, I wish that were real. Sky, what's your what's your take? The doctor's cat. The parent is the cat, and it goes around and knocks everything valuable that the child owns off of ledges and breaks them and chews on all of their cords. 
And <laughs> th- that teaches the kids what they need to put on high shelves where cats can no longer, where, where the cat cannot get it. Um, it. Also, the kid is a doctor. Oh, okay. I was it's, waiting for how that tied in. It, it teaches the child that they need to grow up to become a doctor so they can afford to have nice things and a cat. And it, a cat. It teaches them that they will have gone through their fourth stethoscope by the time that they figure out that they need to put it on a friggin' high shelf so the cat does not bite through it. Okay? So Steve does not bite through it, yes. Oh my gosh. I came home <laughs> yesterday. I came home yesterday to my phone cord chewed up. And here's how my phone cord got chewed up. And maybe I'll cut this out. But, but <laughs> No, don't. Candace is like, look. And she has her phone cord that's chewed up. And my phone, phone cord Oh, she used up. her phone cord. Now this phone cord, my phone cord, has been by my bed for years. And they have, see what happens is as long as you keep it on the floor and it's always in the same spot and it's never, and I, I, I kind of like kick it under the bed when I'm not using it because it's, right, it's the one that I use right by the bed when I charge at night. Mm-hmm. They don't bother it, like they just they. It's like it's like a T Rex in Jurassic Park. Like as long as it's doesn't move and become something else or change position, <laughs> it's they can't see it. She had charged her phone out in the, the in the dining room, the living room on the dining room table, and Steve had eaten through the cord, and so she got my cord and put it in the same spot, and then Steve. Eight through mine. Wow. Well, I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry for your cord. Yes. But I'm also sorry that neither of your games are the correct game because I would, I think both of those are better. Um, <laughs> actually, this isn't terrible. It's just really kind of dumb. The Doctor's Cat is a simple game requiring each player to use an adjective beginning with the same initial letter to describe the cat. This could spin out of control badly, by the way. Uh, the children sit in a circle. The first player says, the doctor's cat is an active cat. The second says, the doctor's cat is an angry cat. After each player uh, after each player uses a different adjective beginning with A, the sentence returns to the first player, who then starts with a descriptive remark about the cat beginning with B. Uh, so the idea is that the kids have to keep going and around and around and around until they reach the end of the alphabet. Having come up with a different adjective for each time uh, with the same letter, and I, they don't really say uh, that kids can be knocked out of this, but I don't really understand what the goal of the game is other than to make kids talk about a cat. Uh, if the game is meant to be a learning device, uh, the meaning of the adjective must be a factor, and no adjective should be accepted that could not describe a cat. And wait, uh, so what, what does the doctor have to do with anything? I have no idea. My game had more to do about the doctor than theirs. The it's, doctor supplies the cat. Yeah, it is the doctor's cat, Sky. Clearly. Cat. You can't have a game if the doctor didn't supply the cat. Oh, my gosh. All right, well, who got the closest to that game? Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, I, I think I may have to go with Tim because he did actually have yeah. like a, a semblance of a game in that game. So <laughs> I was just taking <laughs> whereas, that my guy just... <laughs> He yep. was just upset, Went which I understand. I understand. So upset. Uh, by the way, uh, yeah, we'll get into the rest of these later because these are so great. These that so sounds great. like it's just going to be a treasure trove. I, I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> See, it was worth the dollar that I spent on it. Nice job. Thank you. So uh, we are starting 
at one of my favorite bits of World War II trivia about a silly little bird that uh, saved a lot of lives. Oh, uh, yeah. So this, oh, I am talking about a, a, uh, a female homing pigeon named Cher Ami. And that is where we are starting because she is super cool. And uh, they actually talked about her on another podcast that we listened to not too long ago. But I have been reading about her uh, for quite some time. <laughs> this is so dumb. Uh, <laughs> I stumbled across this story about this pigeon and I thought, this can't possibly be true. And I did some research and it totally is. Yep. So uh, the story that they have on the page or on the Wikipedia page for Cherami, that's C-H-E-R space A-M-I. Uh, her name is French for dear friend, although they said the or they are using the masculine pronoun because it wasn't until she was dead that we knew that she was a she and not a he. She went by the wrong name her whole life and never corrected anyone. It's very long suffering. That's, that's classy. She, she was a classy pigeon. So uh, in her story, um, well, you know what? Let me tell you where you guys are going first because I had so much fun with this. I didn't, I didn't intend for this to happen, but it just kind of did. We're going from Cherami to the Gamergate controversy. Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> I can't believe it connected, but it did. <laughs> uh. Uh, and I got there in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight clicks. Oh, so. Man. So that's that's uh, yeah. I actually tracked the whole record this time. If you guys happen to stumble across the same page as I do, I'll let you know. So while you guys are looking for your first reference uh, on the page for Sheremy, I'll tell a little bit about how awesome this bird is. Uh, so this was in World War One. Correct. I'm sorry. I was okay. saying World War Two. I meant World War One. Yes. Okay, just, uh, just so we don't get, you know, the flood of angry emails. Both of those emails. Yes. Yep. So, uh, yeah, in World War I, I'm sorry. Uh, October 3rd, 1918, Major Charles Whitsley and more than 500 men are trapped behind a small depression on the side of a hill, behind enemy lines with, without food or ammunition, and they're under friendly fire from Allied troops who, uh, at the time, uh, couldn't tell where they were exactly. There was a, It was a big mess. Uh, there are other pages dedicated to Sheremy that go into a little more detail about this, but it was essentially a mess, and and they didn't have easy ways to get messages back across. So we had homing pigeons, and um, you know they were they were surrounded and getting shot at from uh, both Germans and uh, Allied troops who were essentially just dropping dropping bombs on them. Uh, so they sent a they sent. Two birds out, or rather, they went through three pigeons, the last three pigeons that they had. <laughs> and uh, the first two got shot down. Uh, or, uh, yeah, the first two got shot down, uh, no chance of getting the message across. And the last one, uh, Cherami, was dispatched with a note on her leg. The note said, We are along the road parallel to 276.4. Our own artillery is dropping a barrage directly on us. For heaven's sake, stop it. <laughs> Which I love. Like how it's so chiding. Like, yes. Yeah. Just stop, stop it. it. I, I love that. In the actual, um, the, the two prior messages that they tried were a lot nicer. 
I mean, <laughs> uh, the first one was just many wounded. We can't evacuate. And the second one was men are suffering. Can support be sent? By this point, the uh, Major Wisley was left to the, the devices of just telling them for uh, or just going all the way to for heaven's sake. Stop it. So, uh, Jeremy managed to uh, get her message across after, be- after being shot uh, as she took to the air. Um, she lost a leg <laughs> and most of her body, essentially. Uh, but she, um, she saved 194 people uh, by getting that message through. They did actually, surgeons worked on her in the field to save her life. Uh, she made it for a little while longer. Um, once she did die, uh, she she has been placed in the the Smithsonian. Uh, and actually, as they were preparing her for the Smithsonian, is where they kind of realized that wait, this is not this is a hen. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's kind of how it happened. Um, she actually has received two medals, and that that is how awesome this bird is. Anyway. Where are we going first, uh, Tim? Since we're trying to go to Gamergate, <clears throat> I think I'm going to try going through the term friendly fire. Ooh, I like <laughs> it. That's a good move. That's not where I went, but I like it. All right, while you're doing that, <clears throat> Sky? So I, I saw Verdun mentioned here. Mm. Um, I thought about using Verdun because maybe I feel like that has to be a battle that... Uh, that Call of Duty has done at some point. I, um, wow, you guys are taking much different routes than I did. But then I saw that... Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I saw Cherami is also on display with Sergeant Stubby, and I don't know what Sergeant Stubby is, and it doesn't explain. He is just another member of the Price of Freedom exhibit at the National <laughs> Museum of American History. So I'm going to click on Sergeant Stubby because, of course, hey, I guess, am. Hey, Sergeant Stubby... Hey, guess what? Sky clicked the same thing I did. Yeah. <laughs> because Sergeant I Stubby could yeah. be either the most adorable or the most terrifying thing. <laughs> because, of course, as soon as I saw Sergeant Stubby, I thought, I have to know what that is. <laughs> exactly. So I'm, I'm clicking on Sergeant Stubby to find out. That That is the uh, um, the first thing that I clicked as well. So, Sky, you're on the same route as me. I wonder how long you can stick around on the uh, on the same route I did. I actually... Uh, I actually got sidetracked on the Sergeant Stubby page for quite some time. <laughs> so, uh, Tim? Yes. Uh, let's talk about friendly fire. Of course, one of the um, causes of friendly fire is errors of identification. During the 2003 invasion of Iraq, British aircraft were shot down by the U.S. We've, we've made mistakes. Oh, yeah. In the Tarnak farm incident, four Canadian soldiers were killed and eight others injured when a U.S. Air National Guard major dropped a 500-pound bomb from his F-16 onto the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry Regiment. Wow. Which was conducting a night firing exercise near Kandahar. I, I really feel like we could have avoided that. They do actually have a whole list of, of friendly fire incidents, which is impressive. Yeah, but I, I can't click into it. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, this is this is terrifying. Although it, they are saying that uh, GPS provides a major breakthrough in and preventing this, which is uh, I, that makes sense. Man, that is just a terrible thing, though. <laughs> um, oh, and they're they're trying to get some new technology out there too. This is nice. 
Government contractors are rushing to perfect infrared and carbon dioxide laser beacons that can be mounted on armored <laughs> vehicles that will identify themselves to their own forces. That's actually a pretty cool idea. So you look through a certain thing and it's like, oh, they're, they're red. They're red dots on my radar. Actually, it'd I mean, probably be blue dots on the radar because those right, are usually yeah. the ones that aren't your enemies. Uh, I can't think of any way that could possibly be used oh. for, uh, yeah, against us. But but let's not go down that road. Um, yes, that that is uh, that is actually pretty cool technology, though. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, where would you like to go from here? I have I. This is just flush with ideas uh, that could take you toward Call of Duty. <laughs> Yep, I am uh, <laughs> going to go with a term that is um, quite popular in both uh, military and gaming: a fog of war. I'm so glad you picked that. That was that was where I was wanting to go to. Reminds oh me of Advance Wars. Mm. Also, Star Fox. The wow. Fox War. <laughs> hey, wow! You uh, there are some connections here, so you might have somewhere to go with this. I did not realize this was actually based on a quote. Oh my, it sort of is. Well, all right, we'll get there. Um, let Scott, loose the fogs of war. Not like not like that. <laughs> Before we cry havoc, uh, Sky, where are we going? So, Sergeant Stubby, I think I just have to read his Please military do. service. It's kind of long. It's worth it. But whoever wrote this, you did a I beautiful know. job. <laughs> I, I came across this earlier. It's amazing. Go on. Right. So Stubby served with the 102nd Infantry Regiment in the trenches of France for 18 months. He participated in four offensive and 17 battles. Okay. He was under constant fire uh, the day that he entered combat. Um, he, it was day and night for a month that he was under fire. In April 1918, during a raid to take Shint. Shint- That's my best guess, too. Yeah. Yeah. Stumpy was wounded in the foreleg by, re- by retreating Germans throwing hand grenades. Uh, he was sent to the rear for convalescence, and as he had done on the front, was able to improve morale. <laughs> and as he had done on the front, that's a forget what I said about them. Right <laughs> uh, when he re- when he recovered from his wounds, Stubby returned to the trans- trenches, and he ultimately had two wound stripes. Then this is the best way you could start the next paragraph. After being gassed, Stubby learned to warn his unit of poison gas attacks located wounded soldiers in no man's land and since he could hear the whine of incoming artillery shells before humans could became very adept at letting his unit know when to duck for cover he was solely responsible for capturing a german spy in the argonne due to his capture of the enemy spy the commander of the 102nd infantry nominated stubby for the rank of sergeant however whether stubby was actually promoted or even an official member of the army has been disputed it's amazing. Oh, just, man. just think of the poor guy that got passed up for the promotion. <laughs> oh, and this is this is just an aside near the end. Oh, he also helped free a French town from the Germans. Yes, yes. He was later injured in the chest and leg by a grenade. And at the end of the war, um, Robert Conroy smuggled Stubby yeah. home. Uh, I like that. I like that the sentence, uh, as he had done in the front lines, he was able to improve morale. Basically, what they're saying there is, as he has done on, had done on the front lines, he was able to continue being adorable. I was trying to see what kind of dog he is, but I think they, he's just, they say uh, up top he is a bull terrier or uh, kind of a, okay. a, a maybe a mix of a, something, but mostly Boston. Yeah, bull. he looks a little yeah. muddy. Mostly Boston bull terrier. His brick at the Libertarian Memorial says, "Sergeant Stubby, hero dog of World War One, a brave stray," which is literally awesome. the dogs of war. So we're covering both sides of that pun now dogs and fogs literally dogs and fogs 
There's our episode name. And we move on. He was also the subject of at least four books. Of course, of course he, was. he was. I mean, come on. So it's really sad. Um, Dogs in Warfare is a C also. And man, if it, <laughs> if it was in this, if this article, I would totally be clicking that right now to get me... Uh, to get me okay. to yeah, Gamer Call of Gate. Duty. Wait, which one is the one that had the dog? That was it. Duty, that was ghosts. really excited that they had a dog before they had a female. Ghosts. Just changing yeah. it up. All right. So I did come through this page. So there is a link on this page that will get you there. I know. I kind of want to click Humane Education Society because it's like the polar opposite of a Gamer <laughs> You're, you're hoping that it's listed under antonyms, is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> I think what I'm going to go with, I kind of do want to go with a humane, humane Education All right, Society. Let me find that. Where? Okay, Humane Education Society. Well, the link is Humane Education Society, but it's going to take me to the Humane Society of the United I, States. I can tell you this is not the way I went. So, I no, I, I'm <laughs> okay. just saying I'm, I'm not going to have any prior knowledge of where we're going from this point out. Uh, all right. Uh, well, you're going the humane route, and Tim is diving into the fog of war. What do we got? Yep, I'm going to go with the Vidya Games route. Uh, so they discuss fog of war in video games. Oh, nice. Which, you know, as you have come to see, it's it's a staple of modern gaming pretty much in, in many strategy games. But it talks about one early use of fog of war was a 1978 game Tank Dicks what? designed by Chris Crawford. Uh, which was criticized for its fog of war system, detracting from the fun of the game. Crawford <laughs> later noted that, quote, when the games get too realistic, they lose their appeal. Wow. Explaining who wants to pay good money to experience realistic confusion and chaos. That's a good question. It's a valid question. Uh, which and, is a critique that you can have in gaming because we have journalism ethics. Continue. Mm-hmm. In the same article, however, Dave Arneson called Fog of War, quote, one of the biggest plus factors in computer simulations in 1988. Dang. Shots so, fired. Yeah, so who, who really wants their games to be realistic? Mm, I don't. Nah. Personally, I mean, I mean, it, all you have to do is look at the games I play, and none of them are even close. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, me too. I'm really amazed, though, uh, considering that if we go up to the top, uh, that the whole idea of a fog of war is based on a um, a quote from a military analyst, Carl von Clausewitz, uh, his quote saying, war is an area of uncertainty. Three quarters of the things on which all action in war are based are lying in a fog of uncertainty to a greater or lesser extent. The first thing needed here is a fine piercing mind to feel out the truth with the measure of its judgment. And... I suppose that's where we get the concept of a fog of war. I love the fact that designers of games were able to co-opt that idea and design that into a game. So, I mean, how cool is that? That's pretty cool. Taking, well, yeah, taking something as conceptual as that and saying, you know what, this can actually have an element in a video game. Anyway, Tim, where are we going from here? I'm going to click on the term video game. Gee, I... I, nice. I don't. I did not see that coming. And neither did I, honestly. All right. Let's. I see. thought I'd have to go through several more military-related. Uh, <laughs> oh, the the link, uh, the image on this is great. What is that? Even it's like a little uh, clip art spaceship shooting at a little clip art asteroid that's being controlled by a little clip art Super NES controller. 
That's adorable. <laughs> Although I probably would, I, w- I would try a game where you get to be the asteroid. Yeah, that it's very counterintuitive. Just into ships. Yeah, make, I like, would feel like crazy taxi. That'd be great. I would totally play that game. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Well, while you figure out where you're going from video games, uh, <laughs> Sky, where are we going? Or actually, tell me about the Humane Society of the United States first. Well, Humane Society of the United States came around in the fifties. Wow, only that only um, that recently. Yep. And uh in two thousand eleven, uh it was rated the number one like animal organization to have like the most impact by experts in the <clears throat> animal field. And so they're doing a lot of different good work. Um So you're saying they don't have silly things to talk about, Sky? No, they don't really have silly things. Like they just do a lot of good work for animal yeah, rights. Yeah. And animal I'm research. There with you, yes. So originally, like the founding vision was pretty much just you know animal welfare, which I think is what it's most sure. known for now. But it's also got a a, a broad range of um, doing like animal rights legis- legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, not even just you know treating animals fairly, but like companion animals, um, things involving farm animals, and different things on testing and and using ed- uh, animals for education. Mm-hmm. They do actually have some several of their campaigns and things uh, listed here as well. This is really impressive. I did not realize they were this involved. It's yeah, it's a huge article. Um, Even going into what they did at the at Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. My goodness, I didn't even realize they did anything with that. Um, to, 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 to do. Yeah, and it's actually headquartered in Washington D.C. Like it's. Oh. It's pretty. Legit. Did not know. Very yeah. cool. Um, all right. Uh, I realized that we could we could literally get lost in this rabbit hole of of information about the humane society. This is really cool. Um, we may have to, I may come back yep. to this later, but where are we going from here, Sky? Um, so I was hoping to find video games. German Shepherd. Somewhere oh, okay. Um, which is the dog that <laughs> they use in Call of Duty Ghosts, um, which would get me closer to video games or um, a Mass Effect. There's a German Shepherd in Mass Effect. Well, there's a shepherd. Uh, oh, I see. Shepherd. So I'm going to click on Burger King. <laughs> um, okay, this guy, I'm not following your logic here, but okay. I'll let you know. I'll see how it pans out, but I do have a reason. And if it, uh, I'll let you know maybe a click or two from here. You, whether You don't want to click on Wolfgang Puck? I, I know Wolfgang Puck is right, right there. Right, right there in the, in the Gamergate scandal. He's thoroughly embroiled. Oh, wow. Multiple jokes. Yep. Um, all right. We're going to go with uh, Burger King on that, and I will I will yep. give you a moment to think about what you've done. Uh- <laughs> oh, and Burger King's mention, mentioned because you know they basically pledged to try to get their animal products from less abusive environments. That's very kind of them. Which is a push that most uh, companies have been publicizing. Yes, I do really love that McDonald's. I don't know if you guys saw in their recent uh, one of their recent talks with their their stock our shareholders that uh, that the reason that their profits are down recently is that people don't understand their food. <laughs> they have yeah. Have you not seen this uh, thing that's been going around their their latest ad campaign uh, with the little. Like uh, the the boxes that you can go up and talk to, and they'll tell you can ask questions about McDonald's food. Yes, what? Look this up. It's terrifying. Speak to me, filet fish. <laughs> tell me no, your no. secrets. <laughs> tell I me don't understand. 
so they're saying that uh, one of the reasons that people don't eat McDonald's is that they are, there's misinformation about the food. And I don't think there's a lot of misinformation. I think, I think we've got a pretty good handle on what that means. Uh, but they're, they think that they can pull something off with that. And I suppose best of luck to them. Uh, but that's, yeah, yeah. So that would not surprise me that Burger King is trying something similar. Yep. But we're not concerned about Burger King at the moment. Where we're are we going? Concerned about video games. video games and the let's, ethics thereof. Let's talk about video game museums. Let's talk about them. What can you tell me? If you want to look up or uh, study the history of video games, um, why not try going to the Museum of Soviet Arcade Machines in Moscow and St. Petersburg? What? Or the Computer Game Museum in Berlin. What? How about the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment in Oakland, California? Tim, this is a missed opportunity for a quiz. I just want to let you know. Oh, no. There's going to be a quiz at the end of this. Oh, no. <laughs> the Video Game Museum in Rome. What? you go to Rome, you want to learn about video games. And you know the Pope saying. is all about his Q-Bert. Yep. Oh, he would lo- oh, yeah. That's absolutely the game the Pope would play. Uh, especially because he swears but gets away with not swearing. And I can just, for some reason, as soon as you said that, I immediately imagined like Hubert in like a Pope hat in yeah. a mantle. Like it fits so that well was, for some reason. That was my intention entirely. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can also go to the International Center for the History of Electronic Games at The Strong in Rochester, New York. Wow. Where you can uh, go through a 5,000 square foot exhibit, which allows you to play through the history of video games. And then there's the Smithsonian, where in addition to... <laughs> To our heroic one-legged bird. Amazing. Or the, the stuffed form yes. of one, at least. Yes. There are three video games on permanent display. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're going to ask us which one? Oh, no. <laughs> now, they are arcade games. I'll give you that. So can you name any of these three games that are on display at the Smithsonian? Are we just going to go until one of us can't do it? Yep. You go first, Kyle. Uh, Asteroid. No. Dang it. Um, Donkey Kong. Nope. Really? Good guess, though. Wow. Oh, right, Asteroids Pac- was a good guess, too. Pac-Man. Pac-Man is one of them. Yes! Galactica. Nope. Oh, man. Um, well, one of them... Okay, one of them isn't known as well for being an arcade game. It might not even be an arcade game. The I other think- one is known for being an arcade game that sort of brought something new. Oh, my. Uh, mainly in its visual style. Zelda Wind Waker. Uh... <laughs> Nope, nope, this is an arcade game. I, I know. <laughs> Making a dumb joke. Uh, oh, man. Visual style, what could it be? Um, this is one of those games where like, you saw it for the first time. It was like, holy cow, how do they do that? And then you played it and you died in like five seconds. I, yeah. I feel like it's got to have to do with polygons, but like nope. specifically polygons. Nope, no, nope, not polygons. Tempest? Nope. Dang. Dance Dance Revolution. No. <laughs> that would be sweet, though. I would love to see people playing Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, I, wanna, so I think that deserves a place in. Yeah, I want to read the uh, the the uh, card for that on the wall. Dance Dance Revolution. Was it House of the Dead or whatever? Nope. <laughs> no, this is this is a style. This isn't polygons. This isn't um, vectors. This is this is an entirely sort of different form of media brought into an arcade game. 
Is it cards? Did someone just make a card game that's also a video game? Oh. No, no, no. It's not that flip the table game, is it? <laughs> that would be great. So this is a pretty popular one? Like, we'll know it. It's well known. Is it in a lot of arcades? Oh, it was. Good call. It was, I would say, yes. Because it, it would was. just it would absorb quarters like no one's business. Everyone wanted to play it. Oh. And no one ever got really far. <laughs> can't be is it like was it a depth of field thing did they do no nope. it was literally like playing a cartoon what popeye nope dang it was literally like playing a cartoon yep the simpsons there are so many people out there in the internet now screaming at you guys both it's people. not the simpsons because that's it's like not the best Simpsons. arcade game no, no. <laughs> it is a really good arcade that's, game that's, right? that's a that's a game um, based on a cartoon, but it still looks like a video game. This game looked what? like a cartoon. <laughs> Why are you doing this to us? Uh, I feel like it could be... Is it a... Okay, it's based on a cartoon as well, though, right? Not really. This was created ah! as a video game. I don't. If you guys don't know it, I don't think you're going to get it. Frogger. I don't know. Nope. Dragon's Lair. Oh, no! Oh, oh no. really? Yep. I didn't know that was an arcade game. No, I, I yes, didn't even know. Was. Yeah, I thought that Absolutely. was like NES or SNES. No, that's no. Nope, Holy cow. I had no idea that it started as an arcade game. Oh, yes. That explains like, a lot, though. <laughs> you know, back then at the time, it was like a buck to play. Oh, And then you would man. die like on the first screen. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, it heated man. you. Um, wow. The third game is good old Pong. Oh, Makes sense. Yep. I, I feel upset. I should have just guessed Pong outright. Uh, In a sense, yep. Uh, man, I, I apologize to everyone out there, to our listener out there. It's okay. My mom doesn't know very much about video games. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> okay. Uh, get us out of here, Tim. Where are we going? <laughs> well, I'm going to click on the term gamer. Ooh. Uh. I have a sense that he's getting close. <laughs> I think he's getting close, too. All right. Gamer. Here we are. A gamer. Okay. Someone who, are, someone who partake, partakes in interactive gaming. I like it. It uses the same image from video games. The same little asteroid with that, that's attacking that, a spaceship. That must be Wikipedia's sanctioned video, video game. game article. They... they got their their team of experts and be like okay if in a million years civilization is destroyed and aliens come yeah and dig up our civilization and happen to turn on some computer and manage to get wikipedia we need to give them one symbol that means video games and it's and a that symbol <laughs> that symbol is a little spaceship going pew 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 at an asteroid with a controller coming out of it yep that says everything about gaming to me Yep. All right. Though, uh, and let's talk about uh, different kinds of games. The ones we dangerous ones we play with our stomach. Uh, Bur- yeah. What's happening at Burger King? So the reason I was going to Burger King is I was thinking maybe I could get to Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing! And I was like, if I can't get to Mountain Dew, I'll surely be able to get Taco Bell, which I can. But then, <laughs> which as I I'm can. like, as I'm scanning through, I find something that will get me there much quicker, I think. Oh, man. Um, Great. It talks about Burger King's advertising. And apparently, I didn't know this, the 1970s were the golden age of its advertising (laughs) when it was a big deal. Golden Um, fry age. 
uh, it had a lot of uh, successful ad campaigns then, but then it completely dropped off um, in the next two decades. Beginning in the early 1980s, the company's advertising began to lose focus, as as though it was like a high, uh, high, highly skilled athlete that was, uh, you know, running the race of of marketing in the in America. Right. And just in that last that last sprint, could not could just just wobbled just a little bit on on her ankle. Well, here's the thing, and I think I think I even saw this when I was young. Um, McDonald's was was gearing itself more towards. Kids, kid, basically just the family. You know, families come and eat here. Absolutely. Uh, what Burger King started to do, uh, and then it, it kind of targeted adults a bit more, um, and kind of just focused on, hey, you know, these are tasty hamburgers, but these <laughs> are like beefy, manly hamburgers. Um, <laughs> and then burgers. when I, you know, when I was a kid, they also started to focus more. Like that was they were the more teenage. Yeah, uh, it was the teenage choice. And it says here from 2002 to 2010, they actually targeted 18 to 34 year old males. Oh man! Um, and in 2003, uh, they hired the my the Miami based advertising agency of Crispin Porter and Bugs, but in Bogus Guy, I love it. <laughs> Crispin I, Porter and Bogus Guy, which they C- abbreviate as CP and B, and I C-P love and that. B. And they completely change um, the advertising. And it actually says that the new campaigns were um, successful, but they were actually uh, perceived as kind of sexist. Oh, yeah. Um, or very insensitive. And I don't really remember these. Do you remember them, Kyle? I, I remember several times in the last 10 years that I have seen a Burger King campaign and thought, that's, re- that's really sexist. That's really sexist. So, yeah, probably. <laughs> Man, I can't even think of a Burger King. I, the only thing I think of is like the, the King commercials with the well, I mean, mascot. Yeah, there's been the, uh, the, the commercials where they make fun of people whose hands aren't large enough to hold their burgers. Oh, yeah, that's true. They, uh, they routinely do them based around football season. Uh, and you know, if you're, you're there, you know, you're going to be eating Burger King. Um, they, they do the thing with, um, Oh, remember not too long ago, you, the, to get the one burger you had to unfriend people on Facebook. <laughs> so amazing. you had to be, you know, your stoic, cruel self. I had no idea. Although I really think CPNB would be a great, uh, folk band name as well. <laughs> I, I can see I can see that or see them showing up at um you know a coffee shop. Yes. Uh, just just two guys with uh with a, an acoustic guitar and a and a violin. Until bogus guy goes off and does his solo album. With banjos. Just banjos. Bogus guy. Anyway, so sexism is a link. And you might be asking yourself, why are you clicking on sexism to get to Gamergate? This oh. is about ethics and journalism. <laughs> but I think I'm going to get there. And for, for those of you who don't know what Gamergate is, um, they know just turn off the podcast is. and yes. enjoy your life. Like, <laughs> well, it's kind first of a, off. It's, it's kind of a mess in the video games world, and we'll probably ex- explain some of it once yeah. we get to that page. Before, before you turn off the podcast and go enjoy your life, uh, go, go say something nice and support the, you know, the minority people in your life. But then also ignore it entirely. As long as you support the minority people in your life. All right. So I am. So on, better, I am you'll be a better person for it. Anyway, yes. Yep. I'm clicking on sexism. That's where I am. That's wonderful. Tim, 
yep. where you know we're we're going from sexism to gamer, and there's nothing to do with either of those things. Uh, they have nothing in common, I'm sure. Nope. But uh, tell me a little bit about gamer. Um, well, this page uh, breaks uh, things down into types of gamers. You have the casual gamer, uh, the core gamer, uh, the pro gamer, the newbie, the retro gamer. There's only one entry on here that has a note that says this section requires expansion. That's the hardcore gamer. <laughs> Here's the complete entry on the hardcore gamer. Hardcore gamers spend a good amount of their time playing video games, often have the latest console-slash-high-end PCs, and are usually technologically savvy. In addition, they prefer to play games that have depth and complexity, and often seek out game-related information. Citation needed. Mm. The, only, the, only, uh, uh, the only entry in here that's shorter than that is newbie. <laughs> newbie or noob is a slang term for a novice or newcomer to a certain game or to gaming in general. I, man, I can't. I, I even in that two sentence thing about hardcore gamers, there are there are at least five things that I take issue with. Like that, that's not accurate. At least in some cases, I do really like though that they have a core gamer, so I have somewhere to fall in the in the middle range between uh, between um, casual gamer and core gamer. So. Uh, it's interesting that they specifically mentioned the Wii U here. <laughs> yep. So so that I'm allowed to consider myself even though I have been playing video games basically all my life. I still don't think that hardcore describes me in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> because I own a Wii U. So there you go. Yep. All right, that's terrifying. What else <laughs> do we know? What what else do we have Tim? Um, let's see. Uh there is a girl gamer entry. What? Yep. Mm. Girl gamer slash gamer girl. Oh, man, this sounds dangerous. Uh, is any female who regularly engages in playing video games. According to a study conducted by the Entertainment Software Association in 2009, 40% of the game-playing population is female, and women 18 or older now comprise 34% of all gamers. Usage of the term girl gamer is controversial. Yeah. <laughs> Some critics have advocated use of the label as a reappropriated term while others see it as nondescriptive or perpetuating the minority position of female gamers. Yep. It's like, oh, it's the female cop. Yep, yes, they just there call we go. Them, they just call them cops. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's just cop. Uh, I like that you, you, you skip over as well that there is, that I'm in here, there is a gamer. Gamer. G-A-Y. Well, I yeah, didn't because, skip over it. It's, it's below girl gamer. Oh, I suppose that's true, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is troublesome for the exact same reasons as Girl Gamer. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Uh, the gamers community provides a safe place for LGBT gamers, which I can't imagine why we would need a safe place. Apart from the isolation they feel from both the heteronormative gaming community and the gay community. That's that's harsh. Okay. Yeah, from both sides. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I can't really speak to that because I... I can say there's isolation on one side, but I really don't feel a lot of isolation from the gay community on it. Just that they don't usually think that video games are all that important. Adorable, usually, but not important. <laughs> all right, where are we linking to from here? Well, Gamergate controversy is linked on this page. Unfortunately, it is also is under the sea also. Yes, oh. I know. I, I noticed that. Uh, I'm going to have to hold my nose. And click on the term discussion forum. 
Oh my gosh. What? Tim, don't do it. It's I not have worth to. it. <laughs> I have to. It's just discussion forum. You're going to the page yep, on discussion forum. It links forum? to the page internet forum. Yes, yes, it does. Oh, geez. Uh, All right, we're we're not going to. Oh man, the disambiguation's great here too, uh, but we're not going to do that yet. <laughs> Let's get a clean break and go back to sexism. <laughs> so sexism. I love how the top of the sexism article just has this big warning sign that says this article has multiple issues. Multiple issues. <laughs> so there's a lot to lots to improve on this page. Um, it may need reorganized. It may not represent a worldwide view of the subject. Um, it's been nominated to be checked for its neutrality. Mm. So fair warning, I Two guess. Two years ago, um, even. And I mean, sexism is sexism, guys. I'm not going to talk yeah. about what yeah, that we- is. I know we're going to the weird, weird territory with this. <laughs> um, I always like how you're like, oh, let's avoid things like the Holocaust with this. And then you're like, oh, I'm I'll sorry. Talk about Gamergate. I'm sorry. There's I- no... I got there. I got there through a totally different means, and it was really funny. So I'll (laughs) tell you guys. Talk about it after. Yes. So they definitely don't go into video games. So I'm gonna have to go somewhere to get closer to that, Mm. um, which means that I'm gonna have to go like farther into defining (laughs) what what the problem is with GamerGate. So there's several different kinds of feminism I could click on. and I should know what these different types of feminism are, but I don't. It talks about, this is in the, the language um, section, um, and it talks about movements of uh, feminist movements in the 20th century. And there's liberal feminism, radical feminism, standpoint feminism, and postmodern feminism, and queer theory. Um, so I, I think I'm going to click on one of these. <laughs> Just and I think I'm going to go with liberal feminism, because that sounds pretty... Uh, generic and since it's listed first maybe that's kind of like the first form of feminism and i think that's what i need to get to i need to get to the one that they're talking about uh, maybe a standpoint though um they're talking about like you know representation of of basically the female in uh yeah media i'm looking at this here uh i think that's where i'm going okay standpoint feminism you said uh no i'm gonna go with uh liberal oh okay sorry yeah all right uh, go go with that. Uh, let us know if you find something good. Well, I mean, of course, there's going to be good there, but I mean, <laughs> something that will get us closer to our goal for tonight. Tim, why did you want to go to an internet forum? To find chicks. Wow. No. All right, um, what do we got? So, what country do you think hosts the most on internet forums? What? Yeah. It's it. It's not us. Nope. Wow. Well, by well, well, they're they, they're saying that this country posts the most, but it does have a citation needed next to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what country does someone on Wikipedia does a Wikipedia editor thinks posts the most or heard on, from someone on a message board? Oh my. Well, by sheer numbers, China has us beat. I'm gonna go with that. Close. Um, oh, they, no. they do say that China has many millions of posts on forums, such <laughs> as Tianya Club. Oh, no. Okay. I'm going to say Brazil. Wow. Interesting choice. I can see where you might go from there. Uh, nope. They say Japan does. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Okay. With That'd more than 2 choice. million posts per day on their largest forum, 2 channel. 2 million? Per day. What? That's what they say. 
Citation needed. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's on the amazing. other hand, some standalone threads on forums have reached fame and notability, such as the, quote, I am lonely, will anyone speak to me, quote, thread <laughs> on moviecodec.com's forums, which was described as the web's top hangout for lonely folk by Wired Magazine. <laughs> and that one has a reference. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful and probably sad. I don't know if I want to read that. <laughs> Just learn Japanese. There's so many people who apparently want to talk to you on the internet. That's That makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, where are we going to go from, from that? I am going to um, – there's plenty of uh, interesting places to go. Uh-huh. But I believe I'm going to click on the term troll. Oh, man. Troll, uh, parentheses, internet. But that's not what we're uh, – we're not talking about that just yet. Let's go with uh, liberal feminism. Sky. I had to back out. Oh, so, good call. So it's just, it's just that it was – my, my assumption was correct and it might have been too correct because it was, it was basically like the first idea of feminism from what I gathered. It was talking about what was happening. Okay. In like the fifties. I mean, it's not the first example of feminism, but it's first example of like feminism with a capital F. Got it. Uh, when they started talking about these things, and it was just you know talking about lobbying for different things, and um, it just didn't have anything I needed, so I backed out. And I was thinking about going to another type of feminism. Go for it. And I've also been looking at other things here. Um, I mean, there is there is a media portrayal section, and I would love to have that have something in it. Um, but it just says some feminist scholars believe that media portrayals of, of demographic groups can both maintain and disrupt attitudes and behaviors towards those groups. Dang, I really would have expected that to get you somewhere. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, of course they do. Like that's yes, that's literally. That's works. when you talk about something, it can kind of affect how things are viewed. Okay, great, <laughs> appreciate that. All right, uh, maybe I will just go back out and go to Taco Bell. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm pretty far off. Um, so Tim will probably have to take us home. (laughs) Tim, take us home. Trolling around the world. What do you call a troll in other languages? What? Oh no. In Chinese, trolling is referred to as Bai Mu. And and of course, I'm probably going to pronounce many of these incorrectly. My apologies. We, We should know better. It's okay. Yep. Yes. In Chinese, trolling is referred to as Bai Mu, or literally white eye which can be straightforwardly explained as eyes without pupils. Wow. In the sense that whilst the pupil of the eye is used for vision, the white section of the eye cannot see, and trolling involves blindly talking nonsense over the internet. Holy cow, that's very insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> an, alternative, an alternative form is bailan, or white rot, which describes a post completely nonsensical and full of folly made to upset others. Also, And arise from a Taiwanese slang term for the male genitalia. What?! Where genitalia that is pale white in color represents as someone is young and less foolish. I, okay. What? I. What? <laughs> okay. Um, Probably. In, Jap- in Japanese, suri means fishing and refers to intentionally misleading posts whose only purpose is to get the readers to react. Mm. Um, arashi means laying waste and can be also used to refer to simple spamming. In Icelandic, purse. Uh, <laughs> Or troll may refer to trolls. They actually use their um, their troll-like creatures 
um, a, a verse or is a frost giant in Norse uh, cosmology. This is wonderful. So they they actually calling them ice giants and trolls like their own. Wow, that's cool. I love um, this so much. <laughs> in Korean, Naxi means fishing, um, which is pretty self-explanatory. Yes. Uh, in Portuguese, more commonly in its Brazilian variant, uh, troll uh, is the usual term to you know internet trolls. Uh, common der- derivative terms are trollismo and trollagem. Uh, and the verb trollar, to troll. An older expression used by those who want to avoid uh, anglicisms or slangs is complexo do pombo and zandrista to denote trolling behavior, and pombos and zagdristas, literally chess player pigeons. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, according to an, uh, an adage that uh, says that it's something is the same as playing chess with a pigeon. The pigeon defecates on the table, drops the pieces, and simply <laughs> flies away, claiming victory. Oh <laughs> that gosh. is done, loser. That is the best allegory I, or metaphor for a troll I have ever heard. Oh my gosh. Wow, you could just drop the mic and walk away <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. I love this so much. Huh. <laughs> Trolling around the world. I, wow. that, that, uh, that Portuguese thing is maybe the best thing I've read all day. Yes, that is yeah. good job, Portuguese <laughs> language. Way to have an amazing idiom and way to leverage it in talking about trolls. That's really amazing, but it makes me very sad that just the idea and the experience of trolls is such a universal thing that everyone <laughs> everyone has their own spin on it, but it's also, it just boils down to the same thing where these people are just jerks that are wasting our time essentially sky it's and like the uh, it's like the flood uh the flood story every every culture has one <laughs> the epic yep. gilgamesh yeah epic of, classic of, mythology oh my yep. gosh yeah Defecating. actually that's true if someone discovers our if someone you know just like those those uh alien archaeologists that discover that clip art uh, clip art <laughs> image of the tiny you know, asteroid in the ship, they're going to see tons and tons of time dedicated to trolls. Oh my gosh. They are going to think it's mythology. If they undercover our internet, I mean, I hope we're all dead. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. If they uncover our internet, it'll be, yeah, they won't have any idea what we were doing. Oh my gosh. We anyway, this, this little block of text was amazing, Tim, and thank you for bringing us here. But uh, where are we going next? I believe I'm I'm heading in for the win here. Yes. I am going to the epicenter of trolling. <laughs> 4chan. Oh wow. Oh wow. yeah, you are, you're getting close. You have to be. You are just not you're you're not blinking. You're staring unblinkingly into the void. I am not gonna sleep tonight. <laughs> I wonder what image they'll use to describe 4chan. Okay. Okay, and while Tim cries, um, Let's go back to uh, to the sky. Where are we at now? We are at Taco Bell. Taco Bell, um, which is also worth crying over. But you know, the reason I'm here is that they also have you know they have deals with Doritos, obviously. Yes. Um, Doritos are a big thing at Taco Bell. Um, you basically, um, if you even if you don't want Doritos, you're probably going to get tricked into eating some form of Dorito. Oh yes. Um, and the other thing is Mountain Dew, and so. I'm staring at these two. There's links for both of them. Which one is closer? And I think I think I'm gonna go with Mountain Dew because Mountain Dew is more cl- is <laughs> it's a part of games 
Like, oh yeah, it's part of game culture. It, you know, I would say that this is a lady and tiger situation, but they are both tigers. So yeah, Mountain Dew is a good choice in this case. Yeah, I think Mountain Dew is where I'm going to go, and so, I'm just. I'm just afraid of what I'm going to find because Mountain Dew is pretty gross. Um, I can't wait. We're getting into some gross things here, and it's all Gamers Gate's fault, and that's what that's what I'm trying to say. I'm so sorry. In order it's to save us fault. from there, uh, I see that they have a list of the names of Mountain Dew, like the names of God, as you would. And uh, <laughs> I think you should quiz us on that when we get back to you on in, in a moment after visiting 4chan. All right, sounds good. Uh, uh, Tim, what? Try very hard not to talk about 4chan in the worst possible way, I guess. Uh, well. <laughs> well, 4chan was started in 2003 in the bedroom of a then 15-year-old student from New York City named Christopher Poole. Wait, this is posts- our fault? What? This is our fault? Why is it our fault? Americans, I, I suppose. Oh, yes, it is, it is American. Okay. Uh, prior to starting 4chan, Poole had been a regular participant on the Something Awful forums. He intended 4chan to be a place to discuss Japanese comics and anime, which uh, somehow went very wrong. <laughs> um, I mean, there are a few good things that 4chan has given us. Is that so? Um, well, they, they gave us. Uh, so I heard you like. So I heard you like Mudkips. What? Really? That that's yeah, what that they, started? They gave us LOL cats. No, no. I I refuse to believe that 4chan made LOL cats a thing. Um, okay, they maybe. they popularized chocolate rain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Um they have also been responsible for their threats of violence. Yes. Well that's a thing. But but they have also been able to, to find and turn in people who have committed violence. Mm. Uh, Dusty the Cat is one example here. On February 15, 2009, two videos featuring the physical abuse of a domestic cat named Dusty by a person calling himself Timmy were posted on YouTube. The 4chan community was able to track down the originator of the videos, a 14-year-old from Lawton, Oklahoma, and pass his details to his local police department. Wow. As a result of this, the suspect was arrested, and the cat was treated by a veterinarian and taken to a safe place. So sometimes I... there's good in the chaos, sometimes there's bad. Are, are, are you going in for the kill, Tim? Yes. All right. There is, there is a Gamergate controversy link in here. Okay. That's, that's going to get us there. Awesome. Uh, Sky, uh, two things. We need a Mountain Dew quiz, and you get a last-ditch <laughs> effort. Just trying to think how I'm going to do this quiz. Um, all right. So what we'll do is I will give you... I'll give you. I'll list off some names of um, Mountain Dews. What could possibly Mountain Dews? You tell me <laughs> if it's actually a variant of the Mountain Dew or it is not. How about that? Oh my gosh, I'm in. So some of these, some of these will be real, <laughs> and some of them will not be. All right. Uh, Mountain Dew Supernova. Oh my gosh. I don't think that's one. I'm going to contradict you. That sounds like one. I'm going to say yes. 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 What? What's it Superno- taste like? Supernova. Uh, supernova. Let me look it over. Look it up. Um, oh. Stardust. Stardust. <laughs> oh, man. I did not know. They have 
They have like a breakdown of every variety down here. Every species of like mountain a paragraph. Dew. Several paragraphs for <laughs> some of them. The taxonomy of Mountain Dew. All right, you ready? Oh, they have Diet Mountain Dew Supernova too. What? That's ridiculous. Oh, I'm so glad. All right, to this it page. tastes like diet existence from nothing. Are you ready? So a Mountain Mountain Dew Supernova a is a magenta colored strawberry melon flavored Mountain Dew with ginseng. Wow. It was one of the candidate flavor specialists or finalists oh, for Mountain oh, so Dew. So it was official. <laughs> well, it's, it was out for a while. Oh, okay. uh, 2008 and 2011 in America, 2012 to present in Finland. So what? it's still being. Uh, Finland, what are you doing? What are, why are you making these choices, Finland? And over the past couple of years, it's been in Canada. So it's a thing. Wow. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready for the next one? Yes. Uh, Mountain Dew Solar Flare. Oh, my. All right. We just had a space one. I'm going to say false. A supernova sounds appetizing. A solar flare does not. So I'm going to go false, too. You're both wrong. What? Yes. This one just came out in 2014. Mountain Dew, what are you doing? (laughs) It's a tropical punch-flavored soda. Its color is red-orange. Of course it is. Solar Flare is a new flavor variant that recently appeared in Fountain Machines, only in U.S. 7-Eleven stores. Uh, And there says no more information is available at this time. No more is needed. Please do (laughs) not. No one one has yet experienced this. (laughs) No one one has lived to tell the tale. (laughs) Everyone is just too afraid. Did they just hire the rest of the crew from uh, the people that have not gotten jobs back from NASA or something? Is that what's going on? Apparently. I don't know. Um, Are you ready for the next one? Yes. Uh, Mountain Dew Passion Fruit Fret. (laughs) <laughs> Mountain Dew Passion Fruit Frenzy. Oh my gosh, this sounds like a Fanta. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say false, just because. I'm going to say true. It's true. Yes! What? It's a real one. 2012 I, to present. You got. Um, it you was have available. To, you have to that? learn, Kyle, that there's no reason to this anymore. <laughs> I really expected that to be like a Fruit Ninja reference or something. <laughs> Passion Fruit Frenzy is a Mountain Dew flavor uh, released in New Zealand uh, in 2012. Oh, my. Its flavor is passion fruit. I hope so. It's a golden green color. Wait, golden green? Golden green. It doesn't sound like any color it should be for that reason. No. Isn't that like chartreuse? (laughs) Thank you, Tim, for being that person. (laughs) (laughs) You want another one? Do it. All right. Uh, Mountain Dew Backdraft. That's <laughs> that's what happens when you come down from a Mountain Dew bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's a backdraft. I really want that to be true. <laughs> so I'm going to say true. I'm going to say false on this one. Yeah, it's false. Oh, on no. Oh, my <laughs> dreams are, are crushed. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Uh, Mountain Dew Spin Out. Oh, man. Spin Out. I could see that actually working. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to say true. I will, too. It's false. What? Oh, oh man. Yeah. Well, Mount- marketing, guys. Yeah, Mountain Dew people, get on that. That would work. All right, we'll do a couple more. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, Mountain Dew Vamp. Vamp? Vamp. Vamp. V- just the ladies so I- of Mountain Dew Vamp. 
V as in vampire, <laughs> A-M-P, correct? <laughs> yeah, V-A-M-P. I just wanted to clear that up because that's not a word I've heard since watching I Love Lucy. Uh, I, <laughs> I will say... <laughs> I'm going to say false. There's no way. I will say true. It's false. Oh, oh good. <laughs> um, we'll do one more here. How about uh, Mountain Dew Game Fuel Lemonade? Lemonade? <laughs> lemonade. Wow. I know Game Fuel is a thing. But is it- Lemonade... Wait, is it a thing? Wasn't it something else? I like. Oh, I no, remember there is a Mountain Dew game fuel. Oh no! Because profits. But is it lemonade? I mean, yes, I know. Um, but is it lemonade? Um, I'm going to say true. Oh uh, man! Yeah, I'll agree with you. True. In October 2014, Game Fuel returned with Citrus Cherry along with a new flavor lemonade for the promotion of Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Oh my gosh. Because when you think of Advanced Warfare, you think of lemonade. Yep. <laughs> Press F to pay respects. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, uh. well, that's a good transition into uh, <laughs> the, the Game Fuel section, which is where I'm going to live right now. Good job, guys. You didn't do very good, but (laughs) 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 that's okay. I'm actually kind of okay with that. (laughs) Oh my Um, gosh. Well, glad you guys don't know all the Mountain Dews. Yeah. I was waiting. See, I, the only two I ever remember are Code Red and Baja Blast. Those are the only ones that I remember. Yeah. I liked, there was Voltage for a while and I liked that. Oh, I I don't like Grape. What's that one? I think it was Grape. Oh, okay. It's raspberry citrus, actually. <laughs> actually, it's about raspberry citrus in journalism, yes. <laughs> uh, which will get us to the Gamergate controversy. Which I'm really don't think I really don't think we want to talk about it. Like, really, not talk about it. But it's there if you want to read about it. Um, this is a obscenely long article, and I don't know how many clicks it took you guys, but I got there in eight. <clears throat> Ooh! So I went from Jeremy not. Not to steal this away from you, Tim. If if mm-hmm. you want to talk about Gamergate, I'll let you. Oh, uh, let me let me tell you a couple things. Um, <laughs> yeah, about, I think we should just, about just in case people don't know. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll just say that uh, as as one of the articles in the past, this article has multiple issues. Can can I just point out that the next line is the neutrality of this article is disputed. Yep. So and this article may be too long to read and navigate comfortably. Comfortably? What does that Comfortably. mean? I'm Apparently, very... you know, you just start getting strained. Oh, man. Your I wish it wasn't still begins reading. To act up. This is so hard to read. Did you guys just know that there's a Gamergate? Like, I was going to try to come and join you and read, read about Gamergate. I just put in Gamergate. And there's actually a Gamergate. Wait, what? A Gamergate is a reproductively viable female worker ant that is able to reproduce with male... Uh, with mature males when the colony is lacking a queen. What? What? When I got to this page, I thought, like, oh, they must, someone's playing a trick. But apparently this is a thing. I, d- wait, what? For the type of ant, see Gamergate. I didn't even see that at the top. What? Yeah. The term Gamergate derives from the Greek words gamos and ergates, ergates and means married worker. Ew. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, weird. I'm not comfortable with either game and gate. Yeah, I'm totally. I was about to say that, that goes for both sides. Tim, was there anything else you wanted to say about this? Nope. I I think that pretty much sums it up. All right. Uh, yeah. Please read about this at some point elsewhere. Not not Wikipedia. For all, please don't read it here. Um, read it on 4chan. No, don't do it there either. <laughs> don't go to 4chan. Just actually, just stay off the internet. Just just stay off the internet Stop. entirely. Never listen to us again. Um, uh, once again, we really should know better. Uh, but I got here through a much more fun route. I don't know what you guys were doing, but. I got here through uh, – Sky actually followed me on my first click through uh, from Cherami to Sergeant Stubby. And I almost fell into the same problem that he did from there. Uh, but I decided to follow the word obituary because I thought, that's weird. Why would there be a – Of course, I mean, of course, there's a Wikipedia page for obituaries. But I never thought I would ever want to read it until today. And in that list, there was a – or in – the obituary page, there was a list of people with famous obituaries, including Elizabeth Taylor. And, <laughs> and Elizabeth Taylor is connected to so many people, guys. So many people. Well, yeah, she did connect with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> it also including Henry Kissinger. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, although I don't, I don't know whether he was one of the people that she connected with or connected with. Um, but Henry Kissinger was definitely connected to the Watergate scandal. And from the Watergate scandal, there's an actual page for what I was almost going to send you guys after, the suffix gate. Uh, because I think that's an incredible phenomenon that we use to great effect today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating reading on its own. Uh, the, the Wikipedia page is not so intense, but it's, it's there in case you want to go there. Um, and then from Wikipedia's uh, suffix gate page, um, of course, one of the gates that they have referenced is Gamergate, which, of course, exploded on the internet a while ago. So eight clicks later from Sergeant, Sergeant Stubby to Elizabeth Taylor to the Watergate scandal, we got to Gamergate. And uh, you guys both had fun on yours as well. I really hope so. I didn't intend for that to go to such a dark place. It was supposed to be fun, guys. Just like video games were. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, why don't we wrap this up? Do we? Do you want to do a a where to find us thing or what? I mean, do we need a do we need a Twitter? Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) No, get a Twitter. You could if you need to go to our our website. It's uh, wskbcast.blogspot.com. there's a, a link on there to subscribe, and that'll take you to a FeedBurner link, which will give you different options. If you have iTunes, you can sign up through iTunes. If you have Feed Feedly, you can sign up there using that. Uh, basically, anything there. There's there's also a generic link that you can use in your your uh, podcast app to subscribe. Hopefully, we'll be on iTunes soon, but yeah, obviously not yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's WSKBcast. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Hooray! So we're we're probably just gonna do one game, uh, an episode from now on, just to yeah, I'm so make sorry. a little bit easier on us. <laughs> I I thought here's the thing: I've been trying to track these via the number of clicks. Yeah, like I thought eight clicks was a was a very number. I didn't. I I should have stopped at like four. 
we should come up with a way to close this out too. I, think I was somehow. thinking that too. I don't know. Do do we need a an official sign off or maybe we just end it? Uh, <laughs> just just leave. Just leave. Just be like, <laughs> bye guys. Outro Later. music. See ya. Bye bye. bye.